We're so glad you've joined us. Right now, it's Perry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. Maybe you've been asking yourself this question. What is God up to in my life? Have you ever asked that question, Sean? <laughs> so many times. Lord, <laughs> I mean, to just ask the question, what is God up to, is not certainly as helpful as asking him, Lord, what are you doing? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't understand what's going on, Lord. When I signed on to follow Jesus, I didn't know it would be this difficult. I knew I'd have troubles. You know, Jesus said, in this world you have troubles, but not like this. Maybe you've been saying those things to yourself. I have a best friend, spent some time with him. He's had some challenges with raising one of his children. And he thought, and he said to me, I never thought I would face Mm -hmm. this as a parent. Never thought I would. C.S. Lewis gives us some insight. He says, imagine yourself uh, as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps, you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts horribly and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth are you up to, Lord? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. I love this so much. Our own ideas of what God could do in our life and with our life are just so small compared to his. But the the process, the deconstructing of things, the tearing down of walls and deconstructing, I'm not talking about deconstructing your faith. I'm talking about deconstructing me mm-hmm. and the stuff that keeps me from being a woman of faith. Like God's plans are so much bigger and greater and it's, it can be painful. And I think of, I think of C.S. Lewis's life experience when he was young, he lost his mom and that was a deep wound in his heart. And I think that's part of why he became an atheist. And then of course, you know, he came to faith and turned from atheism and and then he he married later in life and his wife died mm. so he he had a lot of pain in his life and and I think out of the death of his wife he wrote a grief observed and so when he says something so profound it's coming out of his own pain right you know CS Lewis said god what are you doing and realize well god is up to something he's he's changing me He's making me into what he wants me to be. I think the scariest thing about this is the fact that we think all we need is just a fresh coat of paint. (laughs) You know what I mean? We so underestimate how unholy we are and the work that is yet to be done. I do just underestimate the work that is yet to be done in my heart and in my life. And I think, yeah, we just, you know, slap up a fresh coat of paint. I think we're, I think we'll be good. You know, the Lord's saying, Ooh, there's, there's actually some, some rot in some foundation. You know what I mean? There's like some baseboards that need to be pulled up. Like we're going to have to put in whole new flooring. You know what I mean? We just, we underestimate. And I think that the, the remedy for that is seeing him rightly, seeing how holy he is makes us aware of how unholy we are. I've been in this season of seeing the, the heart idols 
seeing my heart idols and realizing that I, you know, that I have functional lords and saviors, things that I find meaning and purpose and identity and satisfaction from. And I've been in this season for quite some time, several months. Just yesterday, I was saying, Lord, I've been in this season of seeing my idols. I'm I'm ready to graduate. Please let me graduate because <laughs> it's painful. The certificate? Yeah. Right, right, Let's right. Move on. But God has come not to make bad people good. He has come to make dead people live. He go. has come to make us a temple of the living God, and it's painful in the process. James 1 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, not lacking anything. Lord, do your work in us. It's painful. Give us the strength to endure that pain. But we do want to become like you. As you know, I'm a Southern California girl, born and raised, and the whole family is there. And when I go back to SoCal, it used to be that I would stay at my childhood home with mom and dad, but they moved into, in 2020, moved into an assisted living home. And so now when I go back to California, I stay with my sister, which is kind of fun because the staying overnight thing affords some opportunities that... I wouldn't have had otherwise with my sister and her family. So I stay um, in the guest room upstairs right next to my niece's bedroom and her bathroom. And so when I was there last time, we were sharing the bathroom, getting ready for church in the morning, you know, doing hair and makeup and that sort of thing. And just kind of side by side and conversation was just flowing naturally. And she is a nurse at Chalk, which is Children's Hospital of California. And so she works with some very sick little ones. And so I was asking her about her job and just saying, man, that takes a unique skill set because not only do you have to have the skills medically and the knowledge to be able to care for the children, but you're dealing with a pediatric patient. So they're not always compliant and, you know, struggling and that sort of thing. So that takes us another special set of skills to be able to deal with a child patient. But then also you've got the parents who are, really, you know, concerned about their child. And so anyway, I just said, how do you deal with difficult parents when, when you have run up against a parent that is wrestling with the treatment that you are, you know, you have to give that maybe is not pleasant for the child, that sort of thing. Like, how do you deal with that? And she said, I just really two things I try to keep in mind. The first thing is I'm not catching them at the best moment in their life. They're probably at their worst, you know, they're exhausted. They've been up with a sick child. They, just probably not seeing the best of them. And I try to keep that in mind. And then she said, secondly, I just ask the Lord every day at the beginning of every shift to help me to see other people the way that he sees them, especially parents that are that are not at their best with their kids being sick. And I thought, man, what wisdom and what humility for all of us. You never know when you run into somebody and, and you know, they're difficult Maybe this is the worst moment of their life. Maybe they're pretty wonderful in general, but they're, you're just not seeing them at their best. And how can I love them like Jesus? I feel like there's a lot of wisdom in that. And she shared with me that she was reading a book called Unoffendable, how, one, just, how just one change can make all of life better. And then we, we kept talking about 
you know, how important it is to steward our emotions and how just because somebody says something that's offensive doesn't mean that we actually have to be offended by that. It, you know, we can say, and my, my sister and I were talking about this yesterday as we were um, filming the Real Sisters Real Talk podcast. And she was saying, you know, sometimes when somebody says something to me that upsets me, I just, I'll walk away and I'll say, you know, under my breath, not out loud for anyone, but just like, Lord, I don't receive that. I don't, we don't have to take it. And we do. We tend to take things and we, not only do we take them when somebody says something hurtful, but we like, we let them into our heart and we don't have to be offended. We don't have to receive what they're laying down. I know what causes me to be offended. It's one thing. It's my pride. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. It is, man. That is like, I actually, if you were to ask yourself, if somebody said something that was offensive towards you and you were to ask yourself, if I were to remove my pride from this situation, how would I respond differently? Or how would it affect me differently? I think the whole thing would just kind of fall apart and just dissipate. I wouldn't be offended. Right. We wouldn't need to be. If we got pride out of the way, I think you're I think you're right on the money with that one. But Michael W. Smith, he was in a documentary and it was a lot of interviews, a lot of different people, and honestly, his few words, which were very, very short, is the only thing I remember from this film. And it was that he said he's got two life goals. And the first one is to be a perfect conduit for the Holy Spirit. And the second one is to never be offended again as long as he lives. I thought, whoa. I mean, especially as a as a creative, as an artist and a performer, you know, to say I'm not I'm not ever I'm not ever gonna be offended again as long as I live. At least I'm gonna pursue that. We should call him up right now and see how he's yeah. doing with that. Schmitty. How's it going, bud? How you doing with that never being offended thing? Yeah. How's that working out for you? (laughs) (laughs) Hold them accountable. Right? But what would it look like, honestly, for you and I to choose to never be offended again? And I I agree with you, Perry. It it definitely means I need to lay down my pride. But I also think it would mean that I'd have to kind of give up feeling like I'm responsible for righting every wrong. Mm. I'm not, you know? just kind of let things go sometimes. And it would also mean just knowing who I am in Christ, letting my identity be solidly in who God says I am instead of allowing other people to carry a weight that defines me. Mm-hmm. You know, just yesterday I was having a conversation with a really good friend who was in tears and just very offended by something that had taken place. And she said, I have a conversation with my mentor later and I already know what she's going to say. And I said, what is she going to say? And she says, she'll say, why does this comment or why does the person who made that comment have so much weight in your life? I was like, that's a good word. It's really a good word. Yeah. If I live my whole day to get, get the verdict by my own efforts and my own achievements and my own wisdom and my own cleverness, if, if that's my goal, I'm going to really be easily offended. But if my verdict comes from Jesus and what he's done for me, yeah, then, you know, I can live a, a life where I don't have to keep trying to validate my or justify my existence. Right. I think the more that we believe what God says about us is actually true, the less offended we'll find ourselves. Proverbs 19.11 says, Good sense makes one slow to anger. It is his glory to overlook an offense. That's a good word. Let's live that out together today. I was having breakfast a couple of Saturdays ago with a friend who wrestles with some big time doubts about his faith. 
And one of the reasons he wrestles is because of God's judgment, the reality that God punishes sin and that those who reject him will end up in hell. And it is a hard truth. It's sobering. But I think that my friend's wrestling about God's judgment is more about what is God's heart toward me? Hmm. Is he a judgy God? Is he this angry judge threatening me with hell and the world with hell so that we'll accept him? Hebrews 4.13, taken by itself, gives this sense of a God who's threatening with hell. That's why it's important to read context, but Mm -hmm. here's this verse. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. That sounds, that's pretty ominous sounding. Right? Yeah, I mean, there, there is a judge. Yeah, and everything, everything is uncovered and laid bare. He sees it all. He knows it all. And then the first word of verse 14 is therefore. And what do you expect to come after therefore? Well, I learned when I was a kid that when there's a therefore, you got to find out what it's there for. <laughs> Okay, that's a dad joke, by the way. <laughs> it's there for you. Got to find out what it's there for. Way to go! So, what you think comes after "therefore" will show you really what you believe is in God's heart toward you. I think because it sounds like the the hammer's about to come down right. after that verse. Therefore, here it is: since we have a great high priest, what really? Since we have a great high priest who has gone into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold on to our trust in him. Jesus understands every weakness of ours because he was tempted in every way that we are, but he did not sin. So whenever we are in need, we should come bravely before the throne of our merciful God. There we will be treated with undeserved grace and we will find help. So what comes after the therefore, when you expect the hammer to fall, is words of grace. I just, grace is surprising. I love this line here. Jesus understands every weakness of ours because he was tempted in every way that we are, but he did not sin. He did not sin. I once, I was in a class on the book of Hebrews and and I asked the prof about this and didn't get that great of an answer, but since then I've come to realize, you know, Jesus is the perfect high priest. Mm -hmm. Uh, A priest represents the people before God. And so Jesus is this flawlessly sinful high priest. It's important that he never sinned because he can represent us in his sinlessness. And at the same time, he's the one, you know, a priest offers sacrifices for sins for the people. This priest, our great high priest, Jesus, he offered his own body as the sacrifice for our sins. Yeah. So he's always in God's presence, representing us in his perfection before the Father. Hmm. Yeah, I think that, you know, you'd expect the therefore to be like, therefore, you know, there is a judge and God is watching and everything's going to be laid bare. So therefore, you better watch your step. Yeah. You better make sure that you clean it up. You know, you better whatever, fill in the blank. And it's not that at all. It's, and therefore, you know, we've got this high priest who, Hmm. who gets us. Yeah. Who gets us. It's incredible. And he passed every single test, you know, so many tests that I've failed. 
failed one the other day. Well, probably failed one today. <laughs> <laughs> but he passed every test for us to represent us before God and took the judgment day that we deserve. So yeah, everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Therefore, come to Jesus who took the judgment day for us and continues to cleanse us and wash us and change us and and love us. tell you what, I am loving the weather this week. It's been amazing. We got these warm temps. We're going to be up around 80 degrees tomorrow. I love it so much. But this back and forth with like the the evenings getting down to 40 and some of the days, you know, topping off in the 60s, low 60s. And it makes me reshift my closet and, you know, think differently about how I'm going to head into the day. Because I know when I leave for work at Darko 30 in the morning, it's going to be cold. Mm-hmm. But by the time I leave work at the end of the day, it's going to be warm. So I've had to put a little bit more thought into what I'm going to wear to work and been laying out my outfits the night before. It just makes things a little bit more smooth for me. For the record, my closet and the way I have it arranged is the same all year round. Year round. Good for you. Good for you. In Colossians 3, Paul and Timothy are writing to the church with instructions about how to live like a Christ follower. And Paul suggests that we put on the outfit that God has laid out for us. This is what he says. This is Colossians 3.12. He says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Here's the thing. Every single day that we live out, God knew was going to happen before it happened, and he knows exactly what we need for that day. He knows what we're going to need today in order to really love well, in order to express forgiveness, and in order in order to advance the kingdom of God, to have joy in our relationships and success in everything that we have to do today. Like God knows what is needed, and he provides what is needed. It's, he knows that we're going to be needed to be covered with the virtues of God. So he reminds us in this passage to put those things on. Like, don't walk out the door. I know you're you're going to wear the right shoes for today for what you've got going on. If you're going on a hike, you're not going to be wearing your Sunday heels on your hike. You know what I mean? We dress appropriately. In the same way, God's saying, be covered in my virtues. Put on these things so that you can be holy. Choose to be holy like I'm holy. We're called to be merciful as we endeavor to understand others and to be compassionate, showing kindness toward all. To be gentle. And one version, as I was looking at this passage, one version says, be gentle and humble, unoffendable Mm. in your patience with others. Unoffendable. I know I call this out a lot, but I think if you want to practice being unoffendable, start behind the wheel. You know, when you're driving and you're trying to merge and that guy, that gal, they just will not give you the space to let you in. You know what I mean? Practice being unoffendable. This is uh, something that we put on. We put on these virtues. And I think, how do you do that? How do you do that? How do you put on being unoffendable, being kind, being gentle? Yeah, I think that the things that have happened in my life, I'm thinking about specific incidences when I was offended and could be offended. You usually don't get to prepare for those. You're not, you don't walk into a conversation necessarily and go, okay, there's a really good chance I could be offended here. They usually just sneak up on you 
So as far as being prepared for them, how do we become unoffendable? I think it is, it's, a, it's about the practices that we have of being with the Lord on a daily basis and letting his way of thinking and his way of life, you know, he is the way. It's like, okay, show me the way, your way of doing life, to have his thoughts interrupt our thoughts as we read scripture and, and we recognize in scripture that the way of doing things, the Jesus way of doing things, isn't always my first go-to way of doing things and surrendering my own way of thinking to his way of thinking. And for me, it's, it's a mindset. I can tell when my attitude is wrong. I know when my attitude is wrong. And so I do need to talk with God about that. I need to, you know, let him know where I'm having some sinful attitudes. And it's just asking God for, for his grace and, and setting my mind, fixing my mind on what he's calling me to do, the specific way he wants me to be different in a relationship. And through all of that, it helps me to to be able to do that. Yeah. Here's an example of a time that I was offended. And I, there's no way I could have seen this coming. I was at church. I'm in the gathering area. Somebody approaches me and they say, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? I'm like, sure. And it's somebody that I don't know well at all. Like, I know her name. And we've never really actually had a conversation. And she says, I don't like you. I don't like the way that you look. I don't like the way that you sound. I just really don't like anything about you. So what do you think of that? And I was so unprepared for this conversation. I had no idea this was coming. My response to her was, at the time I was working at the church and I had a lot of opportunities for people to volunteer and come alongside and serve in the communities around our church. And so I said, since we don't know each other at all, why don't you volunteer to work at one of these community events and then we can be alongside each other, side by side, serving the Lord. Then you can get to know me a little bit and make an educated decision about whether you like me or you don't like me. But secondly, I would really bring this before the Lord in prayer because you've got some really strong feelings about me and you don't know me at all. So maybe it's something in your heart that the Lord wants to address and maybe it doesn't have to do with me. <laughs> that those, if you gave me time to think about it, I'm not sure I could have come up with those two answers. I'm usually pretty good at the, having nothing to say in the moment or saying something poor in the moment and then walking away and thinking, oh, what I should have said, what I should have done was, you know, after the fact when my head is cool and all that. But this is what came out. And it's, I honestly believe, I can't take credit for any of it because I believe that that, that response was, you know, when you get pressed, whatever comes out of you is what's in you. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's nurturing my relationship with the Lord that allowed me to have some measure of grace in that moment and not to just fly off the handle or whatever. It could have looked really different. And she took you up on it, and now you're besties. <laughs> not so, but <laughs> we are going to bump into things. Life is like this. We're going to have opportunities to be offended. Probably today you might have an opportunity to be offended. And I think the way that we love other people is a mark of our maturity. And not being offended by them is one of the ways that we just love them and extend some grace. And I haven't, there's been a lot of times I could tell you I didn't get this right. I just happened to share with you a time when I felt like the Lord took over. So praise God. But we would not, you and I wouldn't think about stepping into our day and starting our day without having the proper 
clothes, the proper gear, being properly dressed, especially in the months ahead as the weather's going to really start to dip. In a few months, we'll have some snow on the ground. We wouldn't think about heading into the day unprepared. So let's be just as intentional about putting on kindness today before we head into the day. Thanks for listening to Perry and Shauna Replay. To learn more, text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.